0: Hello and welcome to the Microbiome Mavericks podcast, the only place where microbiome science meets real-world applications. I am your host, Dr. Amin Zorgani, a microbiome expert on a mission to prevent the human microbiome from extinction. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking to Dr. Tomas Goury, co-founder and CEO at Mayota. With Tomas, we have discussed everything prebiotic and here's some of the key points. 1. Prebiotic fibers are essential for the gut microbiome to function properly and promote health. They are fibers that are fermented by the gut bacteria in short-chain fatty acids, which promote the growth of beneficial bacteria and improve insulin sensitivity, among other health benefits. 2. Prebiotic fibers are easily integrated into different foods and can be consumed by people of all ages, as long as the dose is appropriate. They can be added to cereal, yogurt, sauces, baked products, and even used to make flavored drinks. Mayota, the company co founded by Tomas, has developed bars and flavored versions of prebiotic plants that are available in the UK and in Europe soon. 3. The efficacy of prebiotic blends depends on the individual's microbiome makeup and selecting the right fibers and combining them in proportion that will make the resulting mixture well fermented across different microbiome makeups is crucial. Myota has built an end-to-end lab platform that allows them to measure the ability of different microbiomes to break down a panel of different fibers and select the right fibers to combine in their blends. They have also conducted clinical trials to validate the efficacy of their blends. Enjoy the episode and please follow and share. Happy to hear your thoughts and stay positive. Good morning and welcome to the new episode of the Microbiome Mavericks. Today I have a special guest, a guest that have taken a different road that the usual conversation I bring you to here about microbiome and probiotics. Thomas is going to speak to us today about prebiotics. Welcome, Thomas. Thank you. I mean it's a pleasure. Thomas, you've graduated from University of Cambridge in computational biology. You have a PhD from the MIT in computational and system biology. Very impressive. That's all around, you know, computers and computer science and biology. And your vision, actually, is to uh, prevent uh, and tackle 1 billion cases of chronic diseases globally. Can you tell us more about you and how do you plan to do that with Mayota, which is your uh, company that you co-founded? But before that, maybe explain to us what Mayota means, because I'm always curious to know how these names are being chosen by founders
1: yeah absolutely well uh, so the name myota is a concatenation of my biota so my microbiota um, because ultimately it spawns from some research that i conducted as a postdoc which shows that we have very big differences between us in terms of our microbiome's ability to break down specific fibers and so what we do at myota is make precision blends of fibers that are optimized to this um, to this process and to take advantage of the differences between people um, but to your original question uh, about chronic disease um, I'm actually as you said a computational biologist who specifically focused on uh, the gut microbiome and how it breaks down dietary fiber and that's one of its core functions by the way and prebiotic fiber in particular and um, and in fact over the course of my research it it became really clear to me that this was one of the if not the strongest contributor to the chronic disease epidemic we have right now which is that we've systematically taken fiber out of our diets through processed foods and just general avoidance of 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 high fiber uh, nutrients so the result is that uh, we're not feeding our microbiomes enough and they are ultimately um, not able to protect us as much as they should from these chronic diseases. So there are many possible solutions to bring to bear to the chronic disease problem, but that one is a very sort of low-tech and uh, cost-effective way
0: of improving health and well-being in a way that we know. Excellent. And as you said, uh, the World Health uh, Organization recommends uh, a specific fiber intake for men and women and globally. And I think just at least in Belgium, I think we are a half of that recommendation. And this is not exceptionally for Belgium, where I am, but it is also for the U.S. and the Canada and France and mostly overall companies. Interestingly, in Mediterranean countries, they do take sufficient or at least higher amount of fibers due to their diet. Uh, but there is a difference between a fiber and a prebiotic. Can you please explain that to us?
1: Yeah, that's, so that's a really important point, actually. Um, fiber is an umbrella term for all the sort of resistant polysaccharides and and uh, generally sort of carbohydrates that we eat that can't be broken down by our bodies. So they, they make their way all the way to the colon, and uh, the microbiome, bacteria in our microbiome, have specific genes that can break those down. So fiber, in that sense, is a collection of many different polymers and chemicals, and only a subset of those fibers are actually um, proper food for the microbiome, and the microbiome can break them down. Furthermore, um, those fibers are promoting beneficial bacteria. And so those are the fibers that people generally call prebiotics. They're fibers that um, are food for bacteria. They ferment them effectively into short-chain fatty acids, but that's sort of a a downstream process. And generally, these prebiotics um, promote the beneficial organisms that help contribute to our health. There are other types of prebiotics as well, so not all prebiotics are fibres and not all uh, fibres are prebiotics, but certainly the largest class of prebiotics are prebiotic fibres.
0: Excellent. And then when we go to uh, speak, let's say, from an analogy perspective, we do know that not all probiotics are the same because we have different strains of probiotics, and I think that's also a very important notion that people... I hope they start understanding at some point that when if you buy one prebiotic, it doesn't mean it's similar to another one simply because you have the same exactly. names on them. It just doesn't work that way. Is it similar in the case of probiotic? Are there specific probiotics or differences uh, that can influence the gut differently? Uh Different probiotics or prebiotics? Prebiotics.
1: Prebiotics. Yes. Okay. So yes, absolutely. I mean, um, the difficulty is that, first of all, you've got many different types of prebiotics. Uh, even within prebiotics, you've got polyphenols, fibers, and so on. And, and, uh, and those individual uh, prebiotics are actually broken down by specific enzymes that only certain bacteria carry. So depending on what bacteria you have in your gut, uh, you use more or less effectively specific prebiotics. Um, so they do differ, actually. And, uh, and even worse, people, for example, might buy inulin, which is a prebiotic fiber. Inulin is a polymer which has, therefore, a chain length and branching patterns which differ between um, different forms of inulin. And they're all called inulin on the label, but they have very different activity inside the gut. I think very uh, analogous to, like you were saying, different strains of the same species of probiotic that has
0: the same label, as and I think that's also one of points of education that we all need to raise in this prebiotic industry that uh, not all inulins are the same, or all um, false sorgos are the same. Uh, but so how how someone would be able to select if they're not all the same? How people would go and say, "Listen, this is the one I would like to buy," uh, just because you know I'm I'm needing something to support my gut health. Not, I'm sick. I'm just wanting something to do as support. How someone that have or has no knowledge about uh, this prebiotic can make their choices?
1: Uh, very difficult, unfortunately, because um, the only readout they have is their own body, and um, and a lot of the actions of prebiotics are uh, not entirely transparent. They happen over time, and uh, for example. Um, promotion of insulin sensitivity isn't something that you can really feel so much and uh, so so that's one of the challenges i think that uh, there are two challenges really one is how do you select from within the right fibers and also how do you know which ones are appropriate to your microbiome Um, the latter requiring some kind of microbiome testing or if we take the approach that we do at myota you account for the differences between people in the buildup of the blend of fibers that you create. And you combine okay. fibers so that they will work across different people. Um, that at least solves that issue. And then we select, of course, the types of fiber that are most fermentable. But the reality is that that took years in the lab and that uh, an average customer is not in a position where they can either find the knowledge because it doesn't
0: exist or, um, or make the decision in an informed way on their own. So what is the science that you guys are doing around these fibers and how do you mix those blends together to make it effective and obviously work across different, um, let's say, populations?
1: Right. So uh, what we did is that we started by from the piece of research which said that if you spike in the same fiber into two different people's microbiomes, you're going to get different outputs, right? So we then ben- built an end-to-end lab platform that allows us to measure from an incoming fresh microbiome sample, its ability to break down a panel of different fibers, and we rolled that out over lots and lots of individuals, which has given us a quantitative understanding of the distribution of how people differ in their abilities to break down specific fibers, and how essentially microbiome variability maps onto functional capability to break down fibers. And using that information, that's how we've been able to select different fibers and combine them in proportions that will make the resulting mixture um, well fermented across different microbiome makeups. So that's the approach that we took. And our science is very much about um, selecting the right uh, fibers to combine in, in this manner, but also studying. Different suppliers of the same fibers to understand how they differ and which ones they that that should be incorporated into the blends and so on. And then we're all about clinical validation and proving that these things actually work. Because um, yeah, there's no point in doing all of that work if you're not going to check then that it's actually having the impact on health that you think it should. Um, and uh, and we've been doing that in both formal placebo-controlled randomized trials and on the other hand. Uh, more informal customer studies and cohorts who measure biomarkers on their own and as well as their microbiome and uh, this has allowed us to collect uh, a wealth of data about the efficacy of our blends.
0: Amazing. Can you tell us that maybe we just stay into that clinical uh, uh, studies, maybe just give us a glimpse of uh, some of the clinical studies and what were the, the main findings from those studies around uh, the Myota products? Sure. So unfortunately, a few
1: of the trials are ongoing, so I can only speak in very broad strokes. But um, one, for example, we conducted a a placebo-controlled trial in pre-diabetics, which is coming to a close now. And uh, that was testing essentially how our blends uh, improve markers of diabetes, insulin sensitivity, HbA1c, and so on. And preliminary results there are very promising indeed. Um, but uh, we just have to wait for the trial completion to publish everything. Um, then we've also done studies in uh, different inflammation biomarkers and showed that not only are responses uh, to different nutrients, um, in terms of the inflammatory response different between people. So very much consistent with everything that that we've found in the microbiome and outside as well, you know, personalized responses to meals. Um, but also measuring other, uh, other quantities as well, for example, levels of stress and uh, self-reported depression scores, um, inflammation biomarkers through time. And then uh, another uh, interesting capability that we have is that we have a microbiome testing kit. This microbiome kit allows the customer to figure out what fibers they're good at breaking down. Um, but for us, what it does is it allows us to track how people's microbiomes might be improving through time as they take the fibers, and and also comparing people who take our blends versus those who don't. And from those types of analyses, we've been able to show that our blends increase microbiome diversity and uh, generally promote the abundance of uh, health-promoting bacteria. So we basically combine real-world evidence with formal randomized control trials, the results of which. Um, yeah, I will be coming out in the next couple of months. We've got a, a lot of different data sets coming out and those will, uh, will likely allow us to make much stronger health claims and, uh, and explain our, our product in those terms.
0: So now going to this, uh, as you said, initially um, our microbiomes are like uh, gut microbiomes and actually microbiomes in general, not, not, not just gut, are like a fingerprint, meaning they differ from one person to another. But within, let's say, probably my family, we do have very similar microbiomes because we do exchange a lot of microbes within the community and within the country, or at least the region, we do have similar microbiomes. Uh, But we will differ, you know, for sure uh, between uh, people living in Belgium and others living in, uh, let's say, Japan or uh, living in Africa, in Algeria or Tunisia and whatsoever. So Mm -hmm. how can now you design a product that will be optimal for the globe, not just specific country and is that even possible yeah it's a great question
1: so um it it is possible it's a challenge no doubt but uh the uh the reality is that actually the the quantity of interest here isn't so much the diversity of humans that we have uh studied but but rather the diversity of different bacteria so ultimately whether you're sampling from a sub- small community of humans or randomly from the entire globe the goal is the same which is to converge to the longest possible list of bacteria that have been covered in the uh, in in these analyses um I stress that just because as you say we all have different microbiomes and that can there are more similarities between family members household members um, even, uh, you know, diet types and, and mm-hmm. geographic regions. But at the end of the day, the differences between people even within the same household are very significant. So you can actually ha- make a blend that will in principle be good for another country by studying different individuals within a different country. Um, mm-hmm. I guess what I'm saying is the microbiome diversity is so significant, even within a region that that, that, that works. That being said, if we wanted to do this in a precision manner across the globe, the appropriate thing to do would be to uh, build a similar database with local microbiome samples in order to, uh, yeah, essentially populate the database with uh, local data and roll those out effectively. I think that that would probably be the appropriate end step if you wanted
0: to maximize clinical benefit in every geographic and I think as well, um, multiple cohorts that are now being conducted across the globe, starting by the Human Microbiome Project, the American gut, the French gut, the Dutch gut, and so on. You know, they're providing, um, at least to my knowledge, um, quite substantial amount of data that we can use and substantiate. I mean, the French gut, for instance, they have recruiting for over a 100,000 and also in the US, many others and so on. So that could also, you know, uh, bring benefit to... Companies like yourselves, uh, you know, improving uh, or at least developing products uh, through the gut microbiome and trying to improve health. Uh, you, you definitely got my curiosity and understanding, or at least getting to know what is in this blend and uh, what are the, the the fibers that you include in uh, Myota products.
1: So we've studied lots of different fibers, as I mentioned, and uh, essentially the ones that have made the list are some of the more common ones, but uh, the right. Um, chain lengths and so on within those so we have uh, fructoligosaccharides and fructans in general like a form of inulin um, as well as a, a FOS um, we've got galactoligosaccharides in there in some of the blends not all um, and then uh, uh, there are certain types of other prebiotic fibers resistant multidextrin, resistant dextrin these different types of resistant starches essentially that are uh, very popular and actually very good food for the microbiome um, and then we have Uh, Certain fibers like guar gum in small quantities that essentially um, are fermentable, but also uh, impact the texture of the resulting blend if you combine it with anything um, water-based. So it it adds a slight frothiness that's actually um, favorable. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we also have certain fibers that are not prebiotic fibers, but that also have health benefits. So for example, um, the fiber extracted from oat bran and wheat bran. These types of fibers are actually, um, you know, very cost effective on the one hand and yet extremely important for your health. Even if they aren't broken down effectively by the microbiome, they serve other pur- purposes like reducing blood cholesterol um, and and, uh, and improving intestinal transit. So we essentially leverage every possible benefit of different fibers we can.
0: Excellent, one thing that I also say to, to people, um... If you would like to keep using something, uh, you got to make it a habit. It needs to be something that's part of your routine and so on. So, um, how can people actually uh, include uh, these fiber prebiotics into their diet? And uh, more importantly, is is there like, say, an innovation window where, you know, these prebiotics, let's say, can be included into bars and snacks and stuff like that? A hundred percent. So the advantage
1: of prebiotic fibers in particular is that fibers um, are easily integrated into different foods. So our raw blends, just starting with that, can be integrated into anything you like. You can add it to your cereal, a muesli, some yogurt. I like to have it just with water. But that's because I'm kind of focused on the functionality of it. You can add it to sauces, cook with it, baking products and so on, which to your second point means we can roll out a number of different products that contain these blends. And we have uh, developed uh, bars of two different types that are being launched later this month, Mm -hmm. as well as flavored versions of these blends, which you can just mix with water and it makes a flavored drink. Um, And then, uh, you know, lots of other product possibilities downstream that we're working on. But you're exactly right. Uh, The
0: blends lend themselves naturally to being integrated into different food products. Absolutely. And these can be uh, used by, let's say, adults, uh, kids or a very specific type of age category? That's right. Yeah. So there are no restrictions there. Um, It's just
1: a question of dose because uh, fermentation of fibers leads to just through chemistry, the production of carbon dioxide, and mm-hmm. this can, if it's excessive, lead to unpleasant winds and so on. So th- it's nothing dangerous, but that's the main symptom to look out for in terms of dose. And for uh, for that reason, children uh, can and should consume less fiber than adults, uh, but otherwise it's totally safe for all ages of uh, as soon as kids are eating uh,
0: whole foods, they're good to go. Excellent. One probably also point that I would like to raise there, or at least to uh, point to, is that we also hear a lot of dieticians and and GI doctors as well um, that do not recommend dietary fibers, or at least not all of them, to people, let's say, with IBD or IBS. Um, So are your products also adapted to that, or can IBD, IBS patients also dive in?
1: yeah absolutely i mean um certainly so we've we've built a blend specifically for people with sensitive guts like ibs and tailored to ibs actually it's a low fodmap blend and it's uh designed by using the same approach except finding fibers that are fermented more slowly they are fermented but more slowly so it leads to slower gas accumulation and less of this these symptoms that are unpleasant in people with ibs say the least um so Essentially, uh, the the blends are adapted to that. And with people with IBD, well, um, it's uh, outside of a flare. Uh, We have a blend that's very effective at at keeping those at bay. But um, absolutely, during a flare, the recommendation from the clinical body is to avoid the fibers entirely. So it's more a question of when in your disease and and where you are uh, that you can consume them rather than just avoidance entirely. And actually, I think just specifically on the IBS point, that's one of the problems with IBS treatment is that people are told to cut fibers out entirely, but that starves their microbiome and leads to other problems.
0: Exactly. So it's like just a a vicious circle where uh, you you cut the fibers, the microbiota get hungry, and we know they do get hungry, and then it just leads to other issues. Uh, We also know that these dietary fibers, um, as you mentioned earlier, they mostly fermented by the gut microbiota, which also leads to the production of short-chain fatty acids like butyrate, acetate, propunate, and so on. Are there anything else that this prebiotic also compares to the guts and beyond? Prebiotics
1: specifically? Well, I mean, indirectly, yes, because by, by being fermented into short-chain fatty acids, essentially those bacteria are uh, using that prebiotic as a carbon source. And mm-hmm. so these bacteria also have other properties and effects on the human body so by promoting those bacteria and essentially feeding them prebiotics are uh, increasing the abundance of specific bacteria that produce specific chemicals and signals that our body receives so it's about short-chain fatty acid production on the one hand but also the presence of
0: certain bacterial species which we know is favorable and prebiotics um, improve. I also mentioned to people, at least it does my own personal recommendation, is that if you're feeling healthy, and I mean, you don't suffer from any specific disease. I do recommend still uh, prebiotic and potentially probiotics to people. And then uh, people ask me, listen, I'm healthy. Why would I need those? For me, it's simple. I mean, if you're living in in a sterile environment where there is no pollution, you're not eating junk food. And whatsoever I probably living in a i don't know a desert uh, island uh, where there is a pure air and what so you don't hear noises because there is a noise pollution which also affects your microbiota somehow maybe yeah don't take any prebiotic or probiotic but um if you live in like where i live in the center of brussels maybe you should <laughs> because right you're definitely affecting your microbiome on a daily basis But the question I also get back is for how long? So for how long people should take these prebiotics, for instance? Uh, Well, I mean, the answer is
1: uncomfortable. We should be consuming them throughout our whole life. Uh, So Mm -hmm. you can't really, it's not so much of a treatment in the traditional medical sense of the term as it is a, a sort of ongoing therapy that you should be doing all the time it's a natural part of the body's healing mechanisms and uh, health promotion mechanisms and you need to continually feed your microbiome with prebiotics throughout your life for it to function effectively Uh, if you just do it for a while and then stop you'll generally um, have downstream effects of stopping that are similar to not having them at all so it's not something you can just do as a short-term intervention even if that has benefits the goal is to keep consuming them
0: I think that's also what makes a difference between a drug or a therapy and a food supplement. So it's a food supplement. I mean, you don't stop taking food, right? So going back to your Myota products, what are they available or how can people actually uh, buy them? Yeah, so they're
1: available right now on our website, uh, myotahealth.com. That's M-Y-O-T-A health.com. And, yeah, we uh, we sell our fibers directly there as well as on Amazon. Um, you can get them on our website with uh, the discount code Maverick. Oh, amazing.
0: <laughs> it's nice to... <laughs> touch that. Thank you. For, uh, yeah, I figured okay, that uh, we might as well one for the podcast. Oh, amazing. Thank you so much. And uh, what we're saying is now uh, they're available uh, across Europe, US, and, and so on, or just uh, similar? So right now, we shipped to the UK specifically, Mm -hmm.
1: and uh, Amazon is now opening up uh, EU countries as well. Um, But if you're in the UK,
0: get them uh, right away. Amazing. Thank you so much for um, sharing all that science with us. And I also have heard and and read across your uh, blogs and stuff that um, they also taste delicious, because a lot of people think, uh, okay, it's, you know, yeah, maybe these supplements and so on don't taste good, but um, simply because you're you're the first experimenter. You're taking them with water, so I assume they do definitely taste good. I'm looking forward also to whenever you guys start shipping to Europe, um, having a taste of that as well. For sure, yeah, no, and thanks so much for for having me on. It's been a real pleasure. Absolutely. I mean, not. Uh, I will not let uh, you go now yet. I still have to get you those, through those five questions of uh, the Mavericks. Yeah, look at- Starting with the first one, uh, why do you do what you do?
1: I do what I do because I feel like... Um, of, on the one hand the uh, the world we live in is, uh, is full of signals that are acting against us essentially whether it's dietary or um, you know brain <laughs> signals and a variety of things that are ultimately unhealthy and I think that being able to contribute to restoring that balance towards a more natural state is something that I was always um, excited about because uh, just increases the level of the, the human ex- experience right and then um, on the On the other side, there's this massive chronic disease problem. So being able to tackle that and be helpful in this respect, bringing the science that I've learned through time and society has invested in scientists like me to get the education they need to then go back and return it to the world. And I very much view it through that lens, actually, as a responsibility um, to society who's invested in, in my education. Can you share
0: one productivity tip?
1: Yes, I think uh, it's a bit uh, a bit of a cliche these days, but a cold shower in the morning is brilliant because uh, no matter how you feel, it will shock you into a state where you feel excited and you just did the hardest thing uh, generally of uh, your day. So I, I highly recommend that to kickstart things. Do you have a book Maybe. that you liked or shared with someone? A book that I liked or shared with someone? Uh, mm-hmm. Can it be about anything? of course uh sure so I, I'm just uh I think that like one of the most incredible things that I've seen that I've read recently is about uh, the voyage of the endurance it's its mm-hmm. called endurance it's about uh, a ship that um, traveled to Antarctica and um, mm-hmm. was meant to be the first land expedition to the south pole uh, I really really recommend it because it's unbelievable what people um, are capable of enduring and uh and and i think that you know to, to draw a sort of cheap parallel with startups sometimes we feel like we're we're trying things that hasn't really been done before or it's uh, it's unclear whether the odds are in your favor but uh, but sometimes it's worth remembering that human beings have survived some unbelievable stuff and that can keep you going on a difficult day absolutely can you tell us about someone who inspires you uh, there are quite a lot of people, but I think that I'd have to cite Noam Chomsky on the one hand for the freedom, the intellectual freedom that he has and has always maintained, even though he's been surrounded by various forms of uh, pressure and institutions that generally wear people down. It, it hasn't, and I think that's that's uh, really special. And another is uh, Neil Armstrong, because uh, he has... Uh, shown an unbelievable ability to maintain calm in difficult situations and therefore, you know, uh, essentially make the situation good and all the while remaining incredibly humble at human beings. So
0: uh, I, I I like those two very much. Excellent. If you would help to change something on this world, what would that be? <clears throat>
1: I think that it, it's, uh, it's sort of difficult to say how, but um, I would essentially find uh, a way to increase our appreciation for the value of uh, investing in, in us as a group and as a species longer term um, across the world rather than you know, creating incentive structures that essentially promote individual success. Uh, because those are exactly what come to odds with our ability to protect our environment uh, from climate change and then ourselves as a result, and make sure that resource distribution is equitable. All of these things require a sort of longer term view and a deprioritization of individual success. So I think that' that's, that's where I would uh, I would focus my efforts if I had a magic wand.
0: Excellent. And I hope you will. Thank you so much, Tomas, for being uh, such a great guest in the Microbiome Mavericks. And it's really a pleasure for having you. Thank you. I mean, it was a real pleasure to meet you. Thank you.